0: Welcome to the Check Your Six podcast. Join your hosts, Air Force veterans Craig Lyson and Tim Proctor as they continue their conversation about the challenges of small business ownership as well as information, tips and guest speakers all designed to help you navigate the potential stormy weather that is small business. And now, here are your hosts, Craig and Tim.
1: That would be us. How you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing fantastic.
0: Hey, I just want to tell you, you have this laptop towards me. Yeah. And every time we come in here, you have this new little sticker. Is it the same stickers that's in your bedroom or something? Or are you a collector? Are you a guru that you like stickers? Or?
1: No, it's it's like stickers. You got this one here now. Well, that's foxtail coffee, because I really love foxtail. A lot of these are people that we've done business with. We got a hero for kids. That's John. You know, uh, you John know, about hero. give me that. I got one on my cup too. And just, you know house and Nannik, so now there. we know who the favorite is <laughs> yeah, i got one and you didn't so anyways man it's good to see you this morning you are
0: hey my name is craig with vets growth uh, you can uh i prefer you call me like you've been doing in the past at 407-754-5779
1: or i know you don't like email but
0: email doesn't exist so just go ahead cuz i'm getting uh, 563 Fibber email bogus spam emails today. Let's cut that off.
1: Okay. All right. Well, I am Tim Proctor with GRP Studios, 407 782 5969 today for that number. And Tim at grpstudios.com. Please feel free to email me. Let me know what's going on. We're, we had a great guest in here today. Now, this, The guest that is in here today is a Navy veteran, which is good. He
0: told me he, he carried the anchor to the end of the ship and I think just dragged it. The, yeah. He it was. looks the, like he could. He
1: was the anchor dropper. And. <laughs> He is in here today. It's kind of a second-person connection because John Kaiser, who we met with with Obb, John and I started talking and said, hey, I want you on the podcast because I want you to tell me about your business. And John said, nope, I think you need to have this gentleman on who actually owns the business. I said, that would probably be great. So, Neil Wilson, Navy veteran, University of Florida graduate, which is one of the only other reasons you can be in here. We don't take those other guys in here. UCF would probably be fine. You're a professional geologist. You've been honored by the Orlando Business Journal in 2014, and you are the owner of Gator Engineering and Aquifer Restoration Gear Engineering. The title of today's show was Grinding Your Gears. I have no idea what that has to do with anything.
0: Yeah, because I'm thinking of the aircraft because what he did in the, in the Exa- Navy.
1: Exactly. We found that out. So that's then, now it makes sense. So now he's the guy that purified water or what? I don't know. We'll find out. Well, Neil, thank you so much for coming in today. It's been, it's been a journey getting you in here. I'm sorry about that. But uh, thanks for coming in.
2: Well, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you.
1: And I understand that you have some other talents. You have karaoke talent.
2: I do. I do. I do a lot of singing every weekend. Uh, Actually, we'll show up at a restaurant every once in a while, and they'll invite me to do some singing. So it's good enough to get their attention.
0: Wow. Yeah. We better get a picture and a celebrity and autograph.
1: I I think we should get a picture and an autograph today and and do that. Because I have no musical talent. We were talking off the air. I have no musical talent whatsoever. My son, Austin, has fantastic musical tale and he can play drums yeah he doesn't want to do it and it's just irritating for those that really have a passion for it you like to do that obviously so how often do you go out and and sing
2: yeah, you know, I've been singing since I was very young. My mother is the one who encouraged me, and I when I came into junior high school, I joined a glee club and immediately uh, joined an ensemble uh, called The Sound of the 70s at the time. Uh, we did a lot of performances in, in high school. I was also a part of a group called The Modern Airs. We did a lot of performances, opening for uh, the presidents uh, up in Washington, D.C. during the inauguration. Also was at the opening of Walt Disney World here in Orlando. Over at 72? 72. 72. I'm born and raised in Florida. And uh, so I've been singing ever since. I've always been singing. Been in a choir, or one day at church or at school or somewhere, wow. or even you, in the navy. If you were
0: singing up in D.C. and you were in the navy, you stepped the wrong direction. You should have went stayed at D.C. and sang because they had that navy band.
2: Well, yeah, I wasn't singing in the navy uh, band. I wasn't, no, uh, but
0: but but you had that voice. You should have went into the music side.
2: Uh, With the Navy band. but you know, I'm realistic. I knew that was not going to be my career. It was just a hobby.
1: What a bad hobby to have. I'm like, (laughs) what's your hobby? I can play on the table here with my finger. I I can't (laughs) do that. All right, so give us a little bit of your background, what you did in the Navy, because then that's going to tie into what you're doing today a little bit. So what did you do? You were on a flight deck most of the time?
2: Right. I was an aviation structural mechanic specializing in the hydraulics. And so we worked with the aircraft hydraulic system, the mechanical systems, which is your your landing gear, your your wings, your flaps, uh, your ailerons, uh, your hydraulic systems, which power most of your systems uh, for for flying. And so my job was to repair those systems. And I became very good at it, It was a, a final checker aboard the aircraft carrier. Final checker is someone who makes sure the aircraft before it launches passes all the uh, requirements prior to launch. If it had a flat tire, I had to give a down signal, with some th- thumbs down. Uh, if it was ready to go, it was a thumbs up. If there was ever a problem with it, I was the final person that made a decision on the aircraft, whether it flew or it did not fly. Many times got into uh, little altercations with the, with the pilots who wanted to fly, uh, but then they had the airplane was down. Uh, it could not fly. And so uh, we would go back and forth about it, and I said, well, if you want to fly, it's up. And they said, well, hang on a second now. There's there's something wrong with the airplane. I said, the airplane's down.
1: Because <laughs> pilots don't have egos, right? No, no pilots, don't know, especially all. fighter pilots. They have no egos whatsoever.
2: Yeah, they strut around. They do. And they forget who are the ones that make them that way.
1: So attention to detail was something crucial for you.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's something I've always been very interested learner but from a young age I was a mechanic we're working with my father rebuild our own cars our engines anything to do with the house rebuild our own swimming pool so I had a lot of mechanical background uh, going for me so it was a very natural thing for me with the aircraft I understood it very quickly understood it very well I was a non-destructive inspector I was a collateral duty inspector I was I did a lot of the inspections for hard landing so when the aircraft came in and hit hard you actually have to wipe it down and put a, a fluorescent uh, dye on it, and then pull that dye out with a foam. and Find out where your hairline fractures and cracks and uh, splits and that kind of stuff was occurring, and then repair them.
1: Wow, I mean, there's so much that for those that have never served, and you don't understand. You know, you see this this big ship that is a carrier. You don't understand the city that it really is, and the amount of people it takes to make a simple thing happened, like get a plane off off the deck, Well, it's just never single, a simple so thing. do we
0: have any malls here in Orlando that's the the length of an aircraft carrier?
2: Malls? Well, I would say, yeah, they probably do. I think that uh, you know, the, the aircraft carrier is about three football fields long. And so this is a small one. I was on the stall. Now, the new ones now are much bigger, and they're much higher. The one I was on was about 70 feet off the top of the water, the flight deck. Uh, the ones now are running around 90 feet or so. They're much bigger. Uh, they can handle more aircraft. Uh, so, yeah, they're they're very long. So they're, is, they're
0: the, b- is the Millennium all about this size of any of their aircraft carriers? So, yeah. so when people go out there, I'm like, just think they could be an aircraft carrier.
2: Yeah, that actually the carriers are, are bigger than the, the millennials. There mall. you go. Yeah. 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 They're bigger than Just kind of gives I you a was reference. I just trying to think of Florida Mall, probably be the closest one I can think of because it is a little stretched out. Right. Out uh, but that's about it. Yeah. I mean, Altamont, you know, from one end to the other, yeah, you're maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Wow. But you go up and down that um, 20, 30 times a day. And so yeah, it's a lot of work.
1: So you, you have a lot of work. All right. So you do that for a living in the military, you get out. And what is a professional geologist?
2: A geologist, uh, obviously, is a person who studies the earth, all right? And uh, you can have specialties within the geology field, like uh, volcanology, study of volcanoes, or you can study hydrology, the movement of water in the soil, uh, and many different ways of doing it. Uh, I was just a regular geologist with a four-year degree. I did not go on to get a master's. But a professional geologist is a person who has passed the professional licensing board to become a geologist in the state of Florida. And so I'm a registered professional geologist. I sign off and I seal and I got my own stamp that says that this report is in accordance with the, you know, the, the principles of geology uh, and engineering. Uh, so that's basically what we do as a geologist is to ensure that the data going out to the public or going to the to the agencies are are correct.
1: Okay. Again, it's one of those topics we have no understanding of. So I'm glad you're here because I want to talk about a couple of things about starting your business. Now, you do commercial work, you do government work. You've done both. What's the difference in working commercial and working a government? Like you're doing a site development for the dog track that they were that they have, you know, the dog track here, they tore it down. Mm-hmm. Somebody comes in, they're going to build apartment complexes. Do you need to go in and do anything for them to yes, to verify yes.
2: that? Yeah, before the, somebody does that, we would uh, certainly recommend that they look into doing a past survey of the facility uh, to understand if maybe in the last fifty years or so, uh, this ASTM standard fifteen twenty uh, seven is a requirement for anyone who wants to buy land uh, to make sure there wasn't uh, a landfill there fifty years ago or nearby there is some type of uh, contamination problem Uh, could have been any number of things dry cleaners a gas station could be the landfill it could be some type of depository where they dropped off the munitions like they've done in pine castle orlando florida yep so you've heard of those things so those things are you do before you start buying the property and then once you buy it we go out there and we'll actually conduct another survey an environmental survey to look for the species like a tortoise or the birds uh or the mice or the whatever, skinks and stuff like that that are running around that are protected species. And then we'll also do the geotechnical survey, which is where we actually put borings into the ground with a drill rig, and we determine the stability of the soil to support whatever you're going to build.
1: Wow, Now it's funny you mention cleaners. Right across the complex from us, there was somebody that for probably the last 20 years has been dumping chemicals Mm -hmm. into the water system. It had gotten as far as... 434 in Edgemond. It had leaked that far in the past X amount of years. Well, they obviously came in and shut them down, and somebody came in. They've now had to redo everything. They put some sensors or something else out here in the parking lot. Now, for those of us that aren't, you know, for those of you that aren't in Central Florida, it means absolutely nothing. But now that you said that, and we've experienced it because we did have people come to our building, we're right across the complex, and hey, we're going to be out here doing this for the next couple of hours, next couple of days. This is what it is. So you do something like that if you... Oh,
2: absolutely. Yes, yes. We do a lot of that. Matter of fact, that's how my first business started, was based on doing contamination assessments. Contamination comes in many forms. One of them is the dry cleaning solvents. Solvents is a real... uh, It's a solvent. (laughs) So it has a tendency to sink. Whereas the gasoline is an oil. So it wants to float. So you're talking about very different approaches to handling the contamination assessment. You need to know what chemical you're dealing with and how fast it will migrate through the water, which is where hydrology comes in, where geology comes in, the type of soil, the type of water, the depth, the what's in the soil. Is there clay down there? Is there hard pan? Is it sand? What is it? Those are all the factors that come into play. Where, how do you chase down this contamination to find it and then clean it up?
1: Does it make a difference here in Florida? The aquifer is such a huge part of South Florida's ecosystem. Does it make a difference here than someplace, let's say, northern Georgia or Michigan where the water table is lower, much, much deeper than it is here?
2: Actually, it's a very different than what you think it is. Uh, in Florida, 95% of our drinking water comes from below our feet, all right? And the upper 10, 15, 20 feet is usually what's called a water table, and it's not something that you would drink from. Our drinking water comes from hundreds of feet below our feet, all right, into the aquifer system. Up in Georgia, for example, they don't have that uh, they don't have that kind of a water table. They get their water from reservoirs, so their reservoirs are protected. Their rivers are protected because that's where they get their drinking water from—is from the rivers and from the reservoirs. We do not. We get it from the ground.
1: So, what is easier to maintain? Is it easier? Is the ability to get into the aquifer easier than the reservation of the reservation, the reservoirs or the rivers, or is it kind of the same thing? It's it's all contamination.
2: Well, it's all contamination, but they, they flow differently in those two different environments. You know, a river is constantly moving, whereas the aquifer down below is very slow moving. It only moves in centimeters per second over, you know, 10 feet. Uh, so it's very, very slow moving, and you can, you can trace it down. You can track it down and, and follow it. And it usually stays pretty concentrated. You know, the amount of contamination stays pretty high compared to what you would see in a river where it becomes very diluted. Interesting. There's, there's an old phrase that goes, the solution to pollution is dilution. So the longer it sits out there in the water and spreads, spreads, it becomes more diluted to, to the point where it's not hazardous anymore.
1: Wow, maybe we should use that for Congress, the solution to pollution is dilution. Anyways, uh, give people your contact information before we go to our first break here so they know how to get a hold of you.
2: Well, my name is Neeld Wilson, like I kneeled before you. My email address is neild, neeld N-E-E-L-D. That's November Echo Echo Lima Delta at GearEngineer.com. And the phone number is 407 853 4555. And my extension is 24.
1: Perfect. Perfect. Now you have, how many people do you have working over there at gear engineer with the website is gearengineer.com, correct?
2: That's Correct. That's All correct. Right. Yeah. We have 10 people currently, mostly engineers. There's two geologists. The rest are engineers, mechanical. We have a civil engineer. We have an environmental engineer. We have a geotechnical engineer. And we have a general engineer.
1: So you're, when I was looking at your website. You have different departments that all these people can, then, so you can focus on, you're not just one engineering firm to do one thing. You can handle multiple issues and challenges.
2: Yes, that's correct. And that's actually very challenging to do that because uh, I, I enjoy it very much uh, for the, the basic reason is I cannot be the kind of person that can stand in a toll booth and, and collect quarters. That's not my style. So, you know, and every day that I'm in business, it's like an, it's another day in school for me because I'm learning something new. All right, and something challenging, and it forces me to stay, a, stay abreast with everything. And I like that. Not everybody's going to like that, but I like it. I think anyone who's going to be an owner of a business or a leader of a business needs to have that curiosity.
1: And that's going to be a perfect segue into the next set because I want to talk about you starting your business, your certifications, and that going forward.
0: Stay tuned. The guys will be right back with more on how to check your suits.
2: For every one of us who is able to provide basic school supplies, holiday meals, and Christmas gifts for our families, there are four families who cannot due to events beyond their control, a Hero for Kids programs are making a difference so children and families don't have to suffer. Last year, we were able to provide over 1,000 backpacks with school supplies, 80 Thanksgiving meals, and Christmas gifts and bikes to over 700 children. This year, the need could be even greater, and we need your help. Visit our website at aheroforkids.org
1: and on Facebook at A Hero for Kids to see how you can make a difference in our community. Yeah, we're going with a little bit of a different sound here on the second half. Since he is a karaoke guy, I don't have any idea of what that has to do with anything. But it was just kind of a different sound for us today on that. It's good to have you back. Good to be back in the second half.
0: Yeah, it's great. I was thinking, like, maybe we should get some flashcards and we'll we'll hold up the little words and we'll try to flip them in order and make sure that everything's working for Everything.
1: your karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we could do that, It's uh, but it's good to have Neil. Wilson in here again for the second half, and we were talking in between sessions about quite a bit of stuff. But first, before we go any farther, give everybody your contact information and how they can get a hold of you.
2: Uh, my name is Neeld Wilson. That's N-E-E-L-D, Wilson. And the contact is Neeld. That's November Echo, Echo Lima Delta at gearengineer.com, gear, G-E-A-R, engineer.com. Phone number 407 four, five, 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 and my extension is 24.
1: All right. So you get out of the military, you get out of the Navy and you go to UF, university of Florida, and you graduate. What was your degree in when you graduated? Geology. In geology. All right. So you go to work for who?
2: I go to work for a company called soil and material engineers in, in Altamont Springs. And it's a geotechnical firm. Uh, They were a part of all the building of the expansion of the Orlando international airport, uh, the four seventeen bypass around Orlando several of the uh the tall skys- <laughs> skyscrapers, skyscrapers Orlando, yeah. if you want to call them that uh and, so, and many of the already road the lake mary road the expansion of that many of those roads and actually i was a geologist uh, doing all that work myself and so it was a lot of work it was a lot of experience but uh, that's where i started was, uh, with uh soil and material engineers which is now called s and m e a very interesting story that goes with it and i'm going to jump ahead just a little bit Is that I left that company and I went to work for another company, environmental company, that was a gasoline business. They were building gas stations. And this is when all the gasoline problems came up with their contamination in the drinking water. So I hired on with them. I started learning a lot about the the business and et cetera. And after four years, once I got my license as a professional geologist, as a building contractor, and as a pollutant storage contractor, I started my business. And then in seven years, I sold that business to S&ME. The company I started with.
0: Wow, they're well known. That's you see that a lot.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I thought it was very interesting. It was it was was good. It was good. um, I don't know reflection of how they felt about me.
1: Yeah, surprised they don't have your name on their trucks. If if they trusted you enough to take that business from you, then they obviously well they worked with you enough to know your your work ethic and and everything else.
2: We expanded quite a bit. You know, we were fortunate because the state of Florida, unfortunately, had a lot of contamination problems, but fortunately, it was a lot of work. And so as a result of that, I worked with many of the clients, Exxon, Shell, uh, you name them, all the large companies out there, 7-Elevens, and even the smaller companies, which are called mom-and-pop stores or marketers, you know, people like uh, Little Champ, uh, those kind of folks right there. And then there's other small ones like Car's Oil Company, who's local here. They had their own little stores and stuff like that. And so you build up your business working on that. And I had built up our business to the point where we were doing business in the southeast U.S. with a large company called Marathon, Marathon Oil Company. And that's what attracted S&ME to us.
1: Wow. So that was Gator Environmental. That's correct. That was your first one. Yes. All right. So you sell that. And then tell me about what it took to put together gear, which is Gator Environmental
2: Gator engineering, engineering and aquifer restoration. And aquifer
1: restoration. Yeah. So tell me about you've already had your established business. What did you do then to establish and set in into motion gear, gear
2: engineering? I did the same exact thing as I did the first time around. I operated out of the front of the house. All right. I, you know, I did very well with selling the business. All right. When you're starting a business, you need to be very prudent. You need to be controlling your costs. Anytime you have a business, you need to control your cost. And if you don't control your cost, you're going to be out of business very quickly. So it's all about controlling your cost. And so I knew I wasn't going to get any kind of contracts coming in for a period of time. So again, I saved up enough money to take care of myself, called up to certain people, said, I'll pay you next month, I'll pay you next month, and finally got around. And I paid them all back very quickly. Uh, so I never had a, any issue with my credit scores, because I was always upfront and well, not always 100 percent honest, but upfront with them about what I was going through. And so the, the process is exactly the same. Just you know lean and mean, uh, get in there and start it off. But again, you've got to have the clients. You need to have the clients ready to go. For anyone who's starting out and doesn't have any clients to, to work from or start with and you don't have a specialty, it's going to be a long, tough road. Uh, so I would say, you know, I would not recommend it to someone who's not ready.
1: Yeah, most of some of the people that we've had on here are well, most of them are entrepreneurs. Most of them are smaller, emerging business owners, and a lot of them have come in with very different ideals on how to do that. And but we've had quite a few that have come in and said, "Know your business, know your clients, and be prepared." Don't just come in and think I have this thing. I'm going to go out now. And people are going to want to buy it, and I'm going to make a lot of money.
2: I've had a lot of friends do exactly that same thing. You know, once I started my business up, you know, like a year later, they come and show me, like they're real proud of their business card. It's like, oh, look, I make t shirts now. Okay, (laughs) good luck. And so, you know, it's like I wouldn't run a bubblegum factory either. All right, because if I'm going to spend 24 hours a day working in my business, I'm going to be working on something that's going to make me money. I have to sell an awful lot of bubblegum to pay rent. So you need, you need to consider what it is you're going to go into business for.
1: And is, a, is this a passion for you?
2: Business, I, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I would say karaoke is more of a passion. <laughs>
1: that <laughs> well, makes money
2: for you, right? Yes. But what pays better? <laughs> oh, absolutely. The business pays a lot better. There's no question about that. I mean, the passion to, I like working. I really love working. I love learning. And I love dealing with clients that are, that are good to deal with, but there are some really, really troublemakers out there on the federal side. So, to my veterans out there, my veteran businesses, be careful.
1: Yeah, we've had a lot of people that say, hey, you need to get those veteran contracts. You need to give um, um, military contracts or government contracts. You need to get in there, you need to get them. But I've heard some horror stories as well about a 90 day or 120 day pay cycle. If I'm a small business, emerging business, I can't afford to be on a 90-day pay cycle for a great project.
2: Yeah, that's probably the result of somebody not putting their invoice together correctly um, because we get paid in about 15, 20 days. All right. So I don't think the, the, the I have not had a problem with being paid by the government, no matter if it was Army, Navy, Veterans, or whatever, Veterans Administration. They pay well. You need to invoice correctly. All okay. Right. And that's the one if you're working as a subcontractor to someone else who's got a contract, yes, you're gonna be in a 90-day column. But that's why you want to be the prime contractor, the lead contractor, not a subcontractor. Now a subcontractor you can get away with a little bit more, but you're waiting a long time for your for your money.
1: And for those that don't understand, a prime contractor is the first name, the first name when you go buy in a um a project. You see that name on on the front of it that says whatever it's gonna be something construction they're the prime like wood brothers wood brothers construction is a prime owner of this property that's going up here in dog track and then you've got cable electric and all the other subs behind it well if you work for a sub you it could take you a while to get
2: paid what about what about blue corp blue corp or blue cord blue cord blue cord oh yeah mike yeah, yeah. Oh, um, they—they're in a little bit different industry. They're service serviceable veteran, obviously, but they're on the construction side. We're on the uh, architect, engineering, design side. I see. All right. And so, whatever we design, they build. Now, they've done a great job because those those projects over there—they're in the millions and millions and right. millions of dollars. And it sounds good when you say it fast, but the real truth of it is, is that of those millions and millions and millions of dollars, a large chunk of that goes to the heavy equipment and to the supplies and materials. I mean, to build a house, you need to have the wood, the concrete, the electric, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to build a house. All right? Yeah. So what's left over is what's in your pocket.
1: It sounds great. You're right. It sounds great on one end, and then you realize the expenses that we have for this are, are staggering. And,
0: that, and that's the – I have to break in, but I have to say at the beginning when we started this, that if you want to start a business, know – who to say that? Uh, Phil Zeman said, make sure you did your homework. Mm-hmm. Because when you have to go apply for a loan because you thought you had the money that you were going to use, it's gone. And you're buying stuff that's not a necessity.
2: Yes, yes. And that's why I worked out of my house. I worked out of using what I had. I had those things. I had my own vehicle, my own truck. So that that became the truck. That became the- And everybody
0: feels like they have to rent out and get a building, have to get an office. So you look like, hey, I got something going. And you're finding out, I'm writing a check here that just got nothing for me.
1: I mean, I bought this business from Greg Reich, who founded it in 74. It was already established, already had clients, already came with content. I would not have been able to, to go out and write a check. I mean, I could have it. Let me rephrase it. I could have. But that would have been kind of stupid because nobody would have known who I am. Buying an established business has helped me with that. What kind of requirements are do you need to maintain from a certification or licensing for your engineers do you have to do anything on a continuing education basis
2: absolutely the engineers do now the geologists used to but not anymore um, for some reason we fell out of favor with the state of florida but overall we're still required to be certified We're professional, so every year i have to sign up and, and and pay my my uh costs for being certified remain uh, professional same thing is true for the engineers, all the engineers, if they become a professional engineer. Now, a professional engineer is a person that goes through the testing, the licensing to become a professional engineer. Uh, they have to go through a certain amount of uh, continuing education credits every year uh, to maintain that. Uh, so that's, uh, and the business does the same thing. So the person who's the professional engineer is going to represent your business is now a key member of your team. So uh, they're actually a director. So they're, they, they're on the list for the state of Florida to be a contact person. Uh, they, they take on a lot of responsibility. There's a lot of liability and responsibility associated with being an engineer. You can't make mistakes.
1: All right, and then let's kind of go into that as well. Somebody now is a professional engineer. I'm assuming that allows you to then maybe charge more. I mean, if I'm a professional, or does it does not make any difference.
2: Now, What, what makes a difference is uh, your company. Uh, who you're competing against, just your competition is what drives those things. Uh, if you want to try to get business in the door and you're competing against a Jacobs, well, you're going to need to lower your prices. You're going to have to you know, produce some really good work, lower your prices to get their attention. Until you start really establishing maturity in a business, which is you know, anywhere from 5 to 10 to 15 years, depending on the business, uh, you're not going to be able to raise your rates up to be competitive with them. The reason why is because your overhead is very different. Overhead is the cost of maintaining your, your office space, it's your salaries, it's your licenses, it's your insurances, it's your vehicles. It's all those costs that go into keeping the business going. So your overhead is a part of what drives that. And if you're a small business, you should have very small overhead. But if you're a business like Jacobs, you've got very large overhead, so their prices are up. So it's not really driven by that. But so, you've
0: you got a lot of experienced people behind you.
2: Jacobs? Oh, absolutely. But there's a story that goes with that, because when I left, uh, when I sold my business the first time, and I went to work for a company called MacTech. MacTech's a huge, huge uh, company worldwide. And I went in with my understanding of of contamination in the state of Florida into this department, and I went in to, okay, who do I go see? Well, you need to go see these people over here. So I go over to that little department over there, And even though they had this huge Mac Tech name and they said, okay, huge Mac Tech in the environmental world, there were two people over there that had less experience than probably any of my previous employees as they had the name. The name carries it a long way. And that's why when you start your business up, as you were saying before, you don't go out and buy uh, rent an office space right away. Because in our business, clients don't come to my office. We go to their office. You go to them. And so the best way to, to attract attention is make sure your digital information is good. You know, you put together a real sharp looking letterhead, you got a nice looking logo, spend the money on that kind of stuff because that what goes out, that gets on your website and those kind of things are what gives you the image. All of a sudden, because I've been told many times when they realize that we're just a ten man firm, they say, I thought you were much bigger. Yep. You work in Canada, California, you've been Ohio, you go Puerto Rico, you work all over the place. That's right i do i keep my costs down too
1: do you, do you go to ohio willingly no you know, being from michigan i you know <laughs> I, we don't like going to ohio unless we have to to go to cedar point or something so you talked about liability tell me about the liability that you face when you go out there if you know it doesn't have to be a long just tell me about some of the liability that you face
2: yeah the liability is when you make mistakes and so uh, mistakes are sometimes um something that can be avoided sometimes it's caused by the other party and that's why i say be careful when you tread softly with the federal government because they have uh they're the 900 pound gorilla and they can squeeze you in a second and if even if you're right and you're and they just want to make an issue out of it and there's some bad people in it that just think that you know for whatever reason that oh that was a 5 million dollar contract i guess you can go out and buy your next yacht well like these are people who don't understand business and so they have some kind of grudge. They have some, you, know, you you've got a, a degree in your back pocket. So some kind of issue going on with them. And I'd hate to say this about my, my fellow veterans that work at the VA hospital. Many of them are very good. But there are a lot of them, that, if you recall, if you were in the military, there are a lot of slackers.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: And these slackers work at the VA hospitals. And some of them are in charge of the work you're going to do. So be careful.
1: And you know, if they had a grudge against somebody because they, you know, maybe they had a bad experience with a cop on a base like Craig or I.
2: My name is Tim Proctor. I can
1: be reached <laughs> at. Uh, again, one more time, give people your contact information and we'll do a little bit of a tip of the day and then we'll see where else we go.
2: My name is Neil Wilson. And my uh, email address is neeld at gearengineer. That's N-E-E-L-D at gearengineer. That's November Echo Echo Lima Delta at gearengineer, G-E-A-R-Engineer.com. Phone number 407-853-4555 extension 24.
1: Do you have any advice for anybody that might want to get into what you do as a business?
2: Well, I think that most of the things that we've talked about here is just, just know your business, know your clients. Be good at finances. It's a checkbook finance. It really is nothing more difficult than a checkbook. So, you know, don't let it scare you. And, and put your nose to the grindstone and do good work. Put in the hours. Put in the hours. Uh, it's, it's not, you're not going to be able to go in at 8 o'clock and leave at 5 o'clock and think you got things done.
0: Would you, would you have somebody, if somebody was thinking about doing your line of work, would you sit down and talk to them?
2: Oh, absolutely. I do it often. Very cool.
1: Well, that kind of the tip of the day today is it's in your field, science is about knowing, engineer is about doing you know science is great but really the people that do the work you have to go out there and do all the work to make it happen yes from that so
0: you gotta you gotta have that character about yourself it's not so much making people believe but to show results
1: yeah
2: and you have, have that i have a lot of confidence in myself i absolutely do and i think that's an important driving point as well you have to have that and i think you have to have the leadership skills because you're going to have people working for you that are also very talented and you need to be able to direct them because some people, then their talents might stray uh, this way or that way, and they might be able to want to push the the envelope a little bit, but you've got to corral people, keep them between the white lines. That's a daily
1: job. Keep them in your lane, right, Tim? Stay in your lane, right? Isn't that what they say? Stay in your lane, bro. (laughs) Well, Neil, I thank you for, for taking the time to come in today. I could have talked for quite a bit about just what you do and the whole being here in Florida, the, the aquifer, and how it soil contamination. Because we didn't even touch on some of the other things that you do as your business. We kind of focused on one Where do, thing. Where
2: do we meet this guy at? Where, where do we find out about you? Through FAVOB. Uh, what is that? The Florida Association of Veteran-Owned Businesses. And FAVOB was started by Mike uh, with the blue cord. Yep. Right. Mike uh, Waltrip. Yep. Yeah. And Waltrip is, you know, man. <laughs> That guy has done everything. He has pulled the the sled across the, the finish line every time we're trying to do something for Mike better.
0: actually got my business going.
2: He's amazing. Yeah, amazing guy.
1: And then John has represented very well. And John, John Kaiser John's has... just
2: as hard. Just a hard worker. He's just as hard of a just worker. Just as talented. Yeah. So we, wanted, we
1: tried to get him on. He said, nope, I think you need to talk to Neil. Okay. So we had you on instead. So I do really appreciate you being here. Um, gosh, uh, there was so many things I wanted to talk about. We don't get to them, but that's usually what happens. So we'll try them next time now what do you think what's going we'll, on we'll Greg? go
0: mobile next time
1: we'll go mobile you know what maybe we'll do it at karaoke next time
0: you know I think we should we put it in your van yeah that's right Speaker should sign we'll have uh, Elvis over here take no, care of that we can have him do
1: that
0: <laughs> thanks for listening to the Check Your 6 podcast tune in again next time for more information on your small business development